And so when he wrote this letter, Romans, um, you can imagine the, the carefulness and the selectiveness he used when he was explaining these thoughts about what it means to follow Jesus. Um, you can imagine how much um, time and effort and, and just focus he put into this letter. And so it is what we consider to be one of Paul's uh, best writings. It's very theological. Uh, very theologically sound, and obviously it's the Bible. But um, so we are like in the beginning of Romans. So Jared asked me a few weeks ago to to talk about Romans. I was excited, and uh, he asked me to do this date, which means like first few chapters of Romans. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. So I opened my book to Romans one, my Bible, and I start reading some subtitles to see what I could talk about. Hmm, man's sinfulness. God's wrath against mankind, bummer. <laughs> God's righteous judgment. No wonder why he asked me to pick uh, to speak this week. The Jews and the law. Come on, there's got to be something in here. Chapter three, God's faithfulness. Yes, yes. I will take that, and it's going to be good, and everyone's going to be feeling good, and we're going to talk about God's faithfulness, and everyone's going to be happy, and that's what we're going to do. I will take Romans chapter 3, God's faithfulness. And so I start thinking about God's faithfulness, and I start praying, and I start asking God, what do you want me to share um, with our church? And um, it quickly hit me that I can't explain God's faithfulness until we, until we stop and actually understand and recognize our own sinfulness. And I went, oh, that's probably why Paul did that. That's probably why he spent the first couple chapters talking about how, how man is fallen and, and how we are all sinful. And then he got into the God's faithfulness. Oh, I get it. So today, sorry, <laughs> bummer. We are talking about God's faithfulness, but we have to start with something that is much harder to talk about. And it, sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. Now, um, if you've seen the movie, the Lego movie, has anyone seen the Lego movie? Yes, if you have kids, you definitely have. There's this part where the main character, Emmett, it's, it's a hilarious movie, by the way, you should watch it. Um, the main character, Emmett, who's a Lego, accidentally becomes like the special um, who's supposed to like save the Lego race, I guess. And um, he, he's, he's called the special, and he goes to this council of master builders, and he's supposed to give this motivational speech of how they're going to go, like, you know, overtake the bad guy or whatever. And so he starts giving the speech, and uh, he's talking about, like, how he's not really the special, and he's not really a master builder, and he's never really built anything or had any kind of creative thoughts. And, and someone in the crowd, another Lego, is like, is this supposed to make us feel better? <laughs> and... Uh, and and Emmett goes, well, I was, there was going to be a but. And someone yells, you're the but. And uh, it was just a really depressing motivational sp speech. And so today, um, this is, might feel a little bit like that speech at first. We're talking about man's fallenness. And um, there, there's a but coming later that Paul does, and it's not me. So hang with me. It gets better. So um, if you have your Bible or phone with the Bible app, turn or open to Romans chapter 3. Um, and what I really want to happen today, I don't want us to feel at any point like, man, bummer, this is, this is not what I expected, this is not what I want when I come to church. Um, my goal today for us is to, is to leave going, wow, wow, at God's faithfulness, wow, 
I get it. It makes sense. Um, I understand what that means for me personally. And so that's kind of what I want to accomplish today. So Romans 3. Like I said, um, I read some subtitles for you, but up to this point, Paul is um, explaining, he's about to jump into the good news about faithfulness, but he's explaining um, man's sinfulness, and he's explaining what that means in, in relation to God, and, um, and so I'm going to skip the majority of that, and we're going to go to Romans 3, verse 9, because Paul kind of does a little summary uh, paragraph, I guess, of what he'd been talking about. So that's where we're going to jump in. Romans 3, verse 9. says, What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? We, referring to the Jews, Paul is a Jew, um, better than the Gentiles? No, not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. And as it is written, and he starts quoting the Old Testament, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, and they they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. In the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin." Is that supposed to make us feel better? (laughs) It gets better, okay? Um, What Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, we are all on the same sinking ship. And and it's all of us. That's me. It's you. It's it's everyone that's ever lived. We're we're all basically lousy people. And and, uh, we have all sinned. And so I look around the room. There's 50 people in here about, look around the room and imagine the worst sin of the person next to you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Look around the room. We are, we are all here today, and we all have something in common. And that's what Paul is saying. And that thing in common is that we're all sinners. We're all messed up. We all have made mistakes, right? So today, if you are here you are in good company, because we are all, or bad company. Anyways, um, there is a but that Paul does in the next verse, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But I want to park on this, on this thought for a minute, and, and I want to just talk about what exactly does it mean, um, what does Paul mean that there's no unrighteous, that, we, that we're all sinners? What does that mean? Um, and I think that's important for a couple reasons. One, we kind of fall into this trap, sometimes people do, um, where their view of religion or God or Christianity or whatever is kind of like, yeah, yeah, we're all sinners, we're all going to hell, unless I go to church more or if I give enough money away, which are good things too. Um, but if that's, if that's it, if that's how it works, let's be honest, that's kind of lame, right? Because then it's like what the church is saying and what Paul's saying is we're just trying to get people to be good enough for our little world. So that's not how it 
how it works. Um, another trap we kind of fall into, and this is one I, I kind of fall into sometimes. Sometimes people get so used to this reality. We get so used to it. We've heard it before. We've known it for a long time that it just kind of gets watered down, and we, we start to lose sight of the weight of what this reality means for us, that we are sinners. And what that does is, honestly, it weakens God's love for us. Like, it lessens that because we start to forget that we are sinful people, and we start to forget that we need a Savior, and we need God. So um, I think it's important to actually stop and even though it's not fun, we've got to look at ourselves, and we've got to look at what it means when Paul's saying no one is righteous, and those are a couple of reasons why. Now, when I was growing up, um, and some of you may have heard this before, but I was told that sin means missing the mark, and I, w- I kept hearing this analogy from like my youth pastor and different teachers and stuff that sin is an old archery term where you're trying to shoot the arrow at the bullseye, and sin means however far off you are from the bullseye. And so if you're a foot off the bullseye, you know, that's your sin. You're a foot away from, you know, the bullseye or whatever. Has anyone ever heard that analogy before? Just me? Some of you guys. Okay, yeah. Um, that's, o- that's okay. It's an okay analogy. Um, it kind of helps us understand a little bit. But here's where I learned it's not a great analogy, and what it started doing to me personally is that I started to live my life um, trying to hit the mark, which is good. However, um, we can never hit the mark, the bullseye, every time. And so I, you start to beat yourself up. I started to beat myself up over that. And, and I started to think, man, I will never, ever hit the bullseye every time. And, and I realized what that means for me is that the way I'm living my life is like I'm trying to earn it. I'm trying to be good enough. I'm trying to do it myself. And so we want to hit the bullseye for other reasons, and that has to do with our calling, and we'll get into that maybe later in Romans. But um, the idea behind it is not that we can earn it ourselves. And so when I think about what Paul's words here about us being uh, sinful or no one's righteous, I don't want to think about it so much about missing the mark because that's more about like what we do and how we try to live. I want to think of it more about like our identity. So what Paul's saying here is that, look, we are all broken. So let's think of sin as like brokenness. We're all broken. We're all sinners. So it's not just like that you mess up sometimes. It says who you are. This is who I am. See, see the difference between that? It's, it's kind of part of like, of who I am as, as a human being. It's not just that I screw up sometimes. It's like Paul saying, this is who you are. And so let's think of sin um, as brokenness. And remember, this has to do with identity and calling. So last week, Jared talked about Romans 1, um, verse, verse 7, where Paul says, to all in Rome who are loved, there's the identity part, and uh, uh, who are loved by God and who are called to be saints. That's the calling part. So we're going to talk a little bit about identity. And Paul's saying, you are, I am, everybody is a sinner. No one is righteous. So if you are broken, if we're saying that we're all broken, well, what does it mean to be uh, unbroken or before that brokenness happened? So what I want to do is look back into Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning 
and look at what unbrokenness looks like. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So God is like creating the earth and the universe and the land and the water and all that. On the sixth day, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Skip down to verse 31. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So, God created man in his image. So before, before the brokenness happens, before the fall of man, Human beings are created in God's image. So I have, to better understand this here, this beautiful mirror from the dollar store. And literally, it's like if, if I were the creator and I'm making something, is my image in here. And that's what God did when he created human beings. You are in his image. However, Sin comes into the world, and what sin literally does is shatter something that was originally a perfect image of God, and it breaks. And so what we see now, and I don't want to flip it because all the glass will fly everywhere, is a distorted view of what we once were. Pass it around. You can look in it and see what that looks like. Don't drop it, because I don't want anyone getting cuts or something. <laughs> so when we talk about sin, it is literally that picture right there, is brokenness. Something that was created to be good, something that was created good by God, in the image of God reflecting the creator, is now shattered and broken. There's, there's two relationships that are hurt by this brokenness, by the fall of man, by the fact that no one is righteous. So I want to pause and talk about these two relationships real quick. The first one is this. Because of our brokenness, there's a brokenness in relationship to God. The broken relationship with God. God created man in his image. He loves his creation. His creation is good. God is perfect and holy. All of a sudden, man is no longer good. Man sins, right? Adam and Eve, fall of man. And now there's a brokenness in relationship between man and God. There's something that separates us. And that stinks for us. But here's the reality of it. God desires a relationship with you, with me, with, with each of his creations. And so it hurts him that we've done this too. So it's not just like our thing was, ah, oh, bummer, now there's a brokenness and I'm not in a good relationship with God. He it hurts him too because he loves us so much. And when we sin, is literally separating us from God. So think of it this way. Um, if, if, there is, if there was someone who loved me and desired a relationship with me, a, a parent, a spouse, a friend, family member, whatever. 
And so they're, they're, they're trying to um, build a relationship with me because they love me, right? And I keep giving them 100 punches to the face. That's going to cause some disconnect in our relationship, right? Yes? Pretty, okay, it's an extreme example. If someone is like giving me, uh, giving me gifts and showing me love and like pursuing a relationship with me and I keep saying, yeah, no thanks, you can't have that kind of relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Um, it, it's going to create some disconnect. So when we choose our own way, when we, are, when we become fallen, which we all are, when we sin, it's literally separating. It's, there's a disconnect in our relationship with God. Why is that so important? Because sometimes I think that, that human beings, me included, start to um, view this relationship with God as something that, like, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm not as bad as, like, the rest of the world, if, I, if, I'm, if my good outweighs the bad, you know what, then I'm doing okay. And that's, that's good enough. Or if I'm just better than the, those people at work who I've seen, you know, are lousy people and run their mouth and have no integrity, then I'm okay. I'm all right. What this passage is saying and what this reality is, that there is a brokenness in relationship because of our sin means that you can't be good enough. Even if you are better than everyone in the world, you're still not good enough. Even if your good totally outweighs the bad, it's not good enough to make that mirror perfectly whole again. It's not good enough to right the relationship with God. That's what Paul's saying here. Listen to these words again. We're still in Romans 3. Got to go back to Romans 3. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, and they have together become worthless. These words that Paul's talking about are directly related to our relationship with God. And he's saying nobody is good enough. No one is righteous. And what I like to understand righteousness is, is like a right relationship to God or with God. He's saying nobody has that. Nobody has that. Here's the second relationship that's broken. It's a, it's, a, it's a brokenness in the relationship that we have to each other with other human beings. Um, continuing on in this passage, there is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. Paul's talking about our brokenness and relationship to each other because we are sinners. Some of these words, throats, tongues, lips, mouth, that has to do with our actions as human beings, right? And then these other words, graves, poison, shedding blood, that has to do with death. And what Paul is saying in these words is that we are literally, by our actions, killing each other. 
we are literally, by how we treat each other, bringing people down and putting them to death. And so, where's that mirror at? Is it stopped somewhere? <laughs> it stopped right there. Okay. Let's go back to that mirror. Remember, what we see in human beings is a shattered image of what God, of what God is and how God created us to be. And so when we think about our actions being a life taker, let's go back to the image and think about the perfectly unbroken mirror. And it reflects an image of a God who is a life giver, who's a creator, a lover. And so may we remember that picture in our head, in our families, in our marriages, in our work, as we interact with people, let's reflect the image of God to be life givers and not life takers. Okay, finally, we get to some good news. We all take a deep breath. Okay, it's, all, it's gonna get better from here, okay? <laughs> here comes the but, if you will. Um, Romans 3, verse 21. But now, a righteousness from God that's good news, from God, think about that, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Okay, what is Paul saying here? Righteousness, being right with God, is given to us by God. Okay? It is not something that we can earn. It's not something, it's something we can strive for, but we will never get it. So the good news is that God says, here, I'm going to give it to you because you can't get it on your own. Righteousness from God, that is great news for me. I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you. It's good news for you too. Um, <laughs> the chance of being in a right, right relationship with God was given to us, and it has nothing to do with the law. It has nothing to do with how well you follow the rules because what Paul's saying is none of them can do it. No one can do it perfectly. You can't. So you don't have to be good enough. That is great news. Okay, so and how does it work? Well, this is what Paul's saying here. How does it work? It works that righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. To all. Everyone who believes. That's, other, that's some more good news. Because it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what's happened to you. None of that matters. Because this is for all who believe. Jesus was literally the atoning sacrifice for our sins, um, is what Paul says here. He, he's the only qualified sacrifice, because as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, he's talking about Jesus, and he said, He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we may become the righteousness of God. If we are sinners and we are fallen, and the only way... Uh, to be made right with God is death, then the only way to pay for that ticket is death by someone who has no sin. And that's who Jesus is. 
And so how does this work? How does Christianity work? How does one become a Christian? It is all rooted in this passage right here. It's number one saying, okay, I'm a lousy person. I'm a sinner. I get it. That has created a brokenness in relationship with not only humanity, but, but with God himself. And then it moves on to, not only did I admit that, but what do I think about Jesus? Who do I believe that Jesus was? Do I believe he's who he said he was? Do I think he's really the son of God? Do I think that he really died on a cross and after three days came back to life and conquered death? What do I think about Jesus? What do I believe about this? Do I believe that that can actually forgive me and make me clean? Do I believe that that makes that mirror perfectly whole again? That's it. That's, the, that's, that's our faith in a nutshell. I'm a sinner. What do I think about Jesus? Who is Jesus? What he did on the cross. Do I believe that? Yes or no? After that, there, there's, a, there's more to it about, okay, what next? And, and that's kind of what Romans is about. And so hopefully this next couple of months, we can unpack some of those things to answer some questions for you. But, but that's the idea of it. Who is Jesus? Now, let's go back to God's faithfulness. When I say God's faithfulness, are you starting to feel the weight of that claim? You start to see, it's not just a good, nice Christian word, faithfulness. A God who loves us, who created us, and desperately wants a relationship with us, will not give up on us until he has us. God's faithfulness starts to get a little bit more meaning to it when we, when we think about who we are as sinners, right? I sometimes joke, well, it's a good thing that I'm not in God's shoes. And, uh, and the reason why is because when I get mistreated or someone um, is disrespectful to me or rejects me, I get bitter and I put up a wall and I say, okay, you're out. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't want anything to do with you, right? God doesn't do that. Despite our rejection of him, this, despite people saying, yeah, no thanks, he's still offering that grace through Christ, that forgiveness. Isn't it great that God is faithful? He gives us what we need, even though we don't deserve it. He gives it to us. And maybe we don't even want it. It's still offered there for us. Isn't it great that his love never fails, never gives up, and never runs out? Isn't it great that he continually wrestles with our hearts? God's faithfulness is really good. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you think about all this. I don't know what you believe about God, if you think it's real or whatever. But I do know that this is way too important to just pass over today. It's, it's way too important to not stop and be honest with yourself and consider the reality that, that this is. And so I want to challenge you today to have three conversations. And Matt, you can go ahead and make your way back up here. Three conversations today. One, a conversation with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Ask yourself what you, what you believe, what you think. Ask yourself where you stand in relation to God, what you think about Jesus. Second conversation, I want you to have a conversation with God today. I want you to, I want you to ask God whatever you need to ask him. I want you to tell him whatever you need to tell him. 
And I want you to listen to what he has to say to you today. The third thing, the third conversation I want you to have is with someone here who's in this room. I want you to, to, to talk to someone, whether that's Jared or, or me or your best friend here or someone you trust, a family member, whatever. I want you to talk to someone about it. Tell them where you're at. Ask them to pray for you. Um, if you have questions, ask away. There's, there's no bad questions. That's why we gather. That's, why, that's what community is. That is living life together. We talk about these types of things. And so um, if you need prayer or, or want to pray with someone, um, I believe as, as Matt starts playing, uh, Jared will be back there. And is Sarah, gonna, anyone else back there today? There might be a couple others back there. Um, we'd love to pray with you. Um, we take communion each week. And what that is is uh, for believers, we, we say, you know what? I think, I think what happened on the cross and who Jesus claimed to be, I think that's real, and I believe it. And so I do this in remembrance of what Christ did 2,000 years ago on the cross when he broke, his, when his body was broke and his blood poured out for us that washed away our sins. And so you're invited to do that. Um, and uh, as you talk to God, Matt's going to play over it and sing some words. And, and I just hope that this is a simple, sacred moment in your life today. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are faithful to us, that you love us. I thank you that you desire a relationship with us, God. And even though we don't deserve it, even though there's been countless number of times where we reject and say, yeah, I don't care. You still care. And you still pursue us. So God, I pray for each person in this room today that you will speak to them, that you will grab a hold of their hearts. And that whatever needs to happen to find life eternally, not just in length, but eternally in depth, God, a life of peace, of joy, of love, of fulfillment, I pray that people can find that today. Thank you for Christ on the cross. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. And we love you so much. Amen.